Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Are you ready? Yeah. Amen. I know that you are. Um, this message, uh, I, I get the opportunity because I live about 45 minutes outside of the city and work into Brooklyn, and so I commute on a regular basis. And at first, when I moved out there, I thought, this is just going to be horrible. I hate dealing with traffic. I hate having to wait for things. But when I would take the train from time to time, I started listening to podcasts. And it really began to transform my life in a new way because uh, it added another dimension of the opportunity to seek God and another way that God would meet me in a day as I began to fill my mind uh, and my heart with, 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 with things from different uh, different people, different men and women of God and their wisdom and their truths. And so I began to listen. And one of my favorite ones to listen to is The Bible Project. Uh, anybody listen to their po- uh, podcast? And so, of course, their website and, 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 and all of the videos they have out on YouTube and the, and the, the scripture reading app and everything is just is, is absolutely amazing. But Tim Mackey uh, is one of my favorites. And, and so in... And, and listening to these, it just really began to stir a lot of things. And, and as I thought about uh, coming here to, to Kuhau, I was just like, man, this, this, this I think, is, is the message that God wants to bring uh, because God is doing such a great thing here. And so um, if you want to open up your Bibles or your phones or your tablets or if you have, you know, like those, like, Intel, like, you know, computer glasses that they have in the movies and stuff like that, where you just like see a hologram of whatever is going on. I can't wait for the day to that happens. Um, just that we can just, you know, like push a little button or just like you say, hey, Siri, and it just pops up right, like right in front of your face. You don't even have to do anything. And, uh, but whatever you have, just pull it up, and I'm sure it's going to be on the, uh, uh, the screen uh, behind me. But what happens here, we're going to look at Gen- John chapter 1. Verses 47 through 51, it's the last few verses of, of John chapter 1, which is a foundational chapter for the book of John uh, and his theology and what he wants to communicate about Jesus. And at the end of chapter 1, we see that Jesus is connecting with disciples. He's, he's calling his disciples and he is, he's meeting them. And so he enters into this little discussion with a couple of them. And, uh, um, and, and, and there's just this dynamic going on where, where Jesus is checking them out. And they're kind of feeling Jesus out. You know, he kind of comes up and walking in, and they're talking about him, and we found the one, and you got to come see the one, and they hear about Jesus, and specifically Nathaniel, who this interaction with, is like, well, wait a second. Well, how in the world, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, there's just no possible way. It's kind of like, you know, something good happening in New Jersey. It just doesn't happen that way. It's just not the place where, you know, great things, you know, come from, or City Field. Uh, but anyways, that's besides the point. It's all about the Yankees. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> and some people are walking out right now. Um, but, but these men have been part of a, 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 a religious culture that has faced a lot of disappointments. It's faced a lot of failures. It's faced a lot of frustrations. And all of these things have begun to shape their worldview. And that's why when Jesus comes walking into the scene and he begins to interact with them and check them out, they're just really not ready for what Jesus is wanting to do and wanting to do in them and, and through them. And so um, he wants to check their expectations. We're going to see that here in just a second. And they see him with question marks like, is this, is this really the guy? 
But I believe that he sees them with exclamation. And they, they see him with, 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 with just from a place of insignificance. And, and he sees them with faith and with expectation. And uh, let me open up my phone here because I forgot my, uh, my Bible. And I'm actually going to read from the New Living Translation because um, I, I think that the New Living Translation actually gets it right here. Um, in John chapter 1. Verse 47, it says, as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Look to your neighbor and say, the stairway to heaven is not a Led Zeppelin song. And look to your other neighbor and say, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. So again, what we see here is Jesus stepping into these men's lives. They didn't ask for it. They didn't expect it. But here comes Jesus challenging their expectations because he doesn't want them to be just like everybody else. He doesn't want them to view the kingdom of God the way that it has historically been viewed because there is something powerful that he wants to do in this world. And so they need to get their vision up. They need to stop looking at things on surface level. They need to stop looking at things from an earthly point of view and get the viewpoint of heaven. They need to get the eyes and the mind of God. And so when Jesus steps in, I think that he often does, he throws out this sort of little, this, this, this little you know, prophetic bone, so to speak, to see what's going to happen. He's checking them out. He's giving them all, you know, like kind of walking around in the, and, and showing them, giving them the up and down, what's going to happen. And he throws this thing out to them to see how they're going to respond. And immediately they begin to believe just because of this small little thing. And Jesus, I can just kind of picture this happening. He's like, man, you, 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 just because of that? This is, this is all that it impresses you? This is, this is where we've gotten to, that me just telling you that I had a vision about you under the tree is, is, is what's got you excited? Man, you're going to see some great, man. You're going to be blown away when this thing really happens. He's checking them out. He's, he's checking their expectations, and they have weak expectations that go all the way back to the time of the beginning of their history. And so we're going to lay just a little bit of groundwork here to understand that history, to find out where Jesus is meeting these men of God at. And what we see here in this passage of Scripture is something called a design pattern. Everybody say design pattern. You know, when Ro came over to, the, to, the, uh, to our service, he's like jumping into Hebrew and Greek and talking about all these word studies. And I'm like, man, dude, I'm going to be speaking at your church in a couple of weeks. Like, you're, you're killing me here. I'm going to have to bring out something, something good. So I'm going to talk about design patterns. So here in John chapter 1, we see this design pattern. And what it is is that the biblical author begins to communicate things in a certain way because he wants you to think back to a different time. 
He wants you to think back to another point in their history because he wants to add significance and meaning to the passage and to what and to the conversation at hand. And, and he does this for two reasons. One, it allows him to say more with less words. Kind of like we all had to practice to do when Twitter came out, right? You had to say as much as possible and like so many characters until things began to change. Well, it wasn't all that much different because they didn't have computers and they didn't have cell phones that could type endlessly and tablets and all these sorts of different things. So they had to communicate things with less. But not only did they have to communicate things with less, it brought greater overall connection and meaning to the unified story of Scripture if they were able to help you see these events in light of these events back here. Your mind is then connected and you can begin to fill in the blanks of what the individual is beginning to talk about. And nobody did this better than Jesus. Nobody painted his present picture in the context of history and scripture better than he did. And so this verse 51 is what, where we find this de design pattern, and it's what makes this whole passage of scripture. And in some level, it makes all of John chapter 1, because in the beginning of John chapter 1, we see that the word was God, the word was with God, and the word was God. And it says, and he came and he dwelled, or he tabernacled among us. And that's going to be very important to remember as we talk about this here in just a few moments. But he tabernacled a moment, and then he gets to this place where he sees, and it seems very awkward. It's like, well, you're excited because I told you I had a vision about you, but you're going to see the Son of Man with angels going up and down. Well, like, wait a second. Like, what, where's the natural progression of thought there that you tell me who I, you saw me, and then all of a sudden I'm going to see angels, like, climbing up and, like, what do you mean, Jesus? You're, you're probably, he's like five foot ten or something. Like, there's no, like, there's no way he's going to reach to heaven. You're talking about your head, like, your hair. Like, what's going on, Jesus? This doesn't really make any sense. But Jesus wants them to think not just about what's going on now. He wants to check their expectations by helping put them into the setting of what happened before. And what he's pointing back to is a passage of scripture found in Genesis chapter 28. And you can turn there if you want, or you can just, I'm going to read it here in just a second. Um, but it's going to be up on the screen. And before we get there, we're going to talk about the ancient viewpoint of the cosmos. Everybody say, my mind is already blown. So, when we begin to think about the ancient understanding of the cosmos, which is the way sort of the world and the universe functions, when we look back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if we look and we read these words with our modern mindset, we kind of give those words meaning. But if we think about them in an ancient context, what we really have is sort of two separate dimensions. We have the earth dimension and we have the heaven dimension. And it says down a little bit further that God caused a separation of between the waters above and the waters below. And then he created this, this thing called sky or space in between the two. And he put land on top of the lower waters. And then there was this sort of dome or the, the, the King James calls it the firmament that was above. And they viewed this as sort of a solid dome. Like the earth was this flat flat piece of ground that was sitting on top of waters and it was held up by pillars. That's why you read in scripture when it talks about the foundations of the earth or, or, or the pillars of the earth and it floated on water and there was an ancient understanding that if you found a, a, a body of water that went down, very down, very deep, you, you, you went down into what was known as the abyss. 
And there was dark things down there, and there was bad things down there, and, and, and water was associated with chaos, and it was associated with evil. And so the, the, God made the earth to sort of stand on top of this water, and, and, and then this heavenly sort of dome that was above, it was called the, the Rakia in Hebrew, and that was where God lived. On the other side of the Rakia, they could look up and they could see the stars, which were sometimes thought as sort of windows into the other side. And Rakia, sometimes they were little representations or gods that were up into the sky. But it was like, that's the place that God lives, and down here is where we live. So it was like God's space and creation's space or man's space. But there was also an understanding because of the way that they began to interact with God that even though that was God's space and this down here is earth space or creation space or man's space, that there was certain places or points or, or, or opportunities where God's space and creation space overlapped. And we see that in different places of scripture, and we'll, we'll open that up here, but what, we, but what they began to, to recognize is that God, is that's what temples were for. They were sort of this place where, where heaven and earth began to overlap. And even in the book of Isaiah, when he says, you know, uh, in, in the first couple of chapters, when he has a vision of the Lord, he saw the train of the Lord fill the temple. Well, the, the top part of the Lord was sort of in this other space. And the idea was that God was in his space, but he allowed his glory and the train of his robe to fill the temple below. So while he's up high, we're down low. And it was the temples, the places where we met with God. And, and while they went through the wilderness, it was tents or it was tabernacles. And they had all of these different places of meeting with God. But then there was also these surprising places where they would meet with God, where, 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 where God just sort of, you know, just popped out of nowhere. And we see this in different stories like in Moses, in the book of Exodus, when he's walking through the desert and he looks over and he noticed this bush that's on fire and he walks over and he's like, what's going on? This bush is on fire and it's not even burning. And in the voice of God comes and says, Moses. <laughs> and he's like, oh my gosh. And he takes off his shoes and he says that it's holy ground. Why is it holy ground? Because this is a unique spot, this unique place, all of a sudden that's, that's different from the regular type of place that man meets with God. It's a surprising place, this place where God has overlapped, God's space and earth space has overlapped, and God's presence is uniquely here, so it's different. And then we have the example that Jesus is pointing back to in Genesis chapter 28, and it's Jacob. And Jacob is fleeing his brother Esau, and his dad tells him to go away and stay with family. And so he's traveling a long distance, and he gets to a place at night, and he takes a rest. And so he lays down on a rock, and it says that he has a dream. And while he has this dream, something very powerful happens. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, and it's one of the slides that we have up here, it says, as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down on the stairway. Design pattern. This is the same words that Jesus used to describe himself in John chapter 1. Jacob is having this dream that the inhabitants of God's space or angels were going up and down on this stairway between heaven and to earth. And so Jacob has stumbled across this unique place and, 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 and it's surprising to him. And it says at the top of the ladder was God. And God began to speak to him and began to renew the covenant of Abraham with Jacob in this place and in this dream. And there was a lot of powerful things that he said. But then if we move on down to verse 16, we see Jacob's response 
He says, Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The house of God, the gateway to heaven. I want you to keep those two words in mind, house of God and gateway to heaven. So what happens? Jacob sees this vision, the angels of God going up and down on this stairway, and he's surprised. He says, wow, this is, this is a unique place where, where God's space and man's space sort of overlap, and, he, and he's, he builds an altar there, and he calls it Beth El, which means house of God. And later there was sort of a shrine temple that was built on top of that place. But in Jacob's world, running into the place where God's space meets earth space is, is real, but it's surprising. It's kind of like when Chick-fil-A first came to New York. It's like, is, is it real? It's, it's like you see it, but it's still surprising, right? And it's just like, wow, you want to deem this place like the food chain of God and build an altar there and just enjoy it forever. The chicken sandwiches, like glory-filled pieces of chicken. On. I know, I know, I know. But you could kind of think of these things as sort of like, like hot spots. And that's how Tim Mackey describes it uh, in, in one, of his, one of his podcasts is, is, is it's like a hot spot. Like you go throughout different places and maybe even go throughout cities now and, and they're everywhere. And it's just like you find a place where you can connect, right? And it's different than usual because in a temple or in a place where there's a location, you might find a wired connection where you can plug in and so on and so forth. But when you're walking around, you need a hot spot. You need some significant place where you can, where you can, where you can connect, and so that's, that's where we find these places. There's the tents and the tabernacles and the temples, and then there's these unique places where God chooses to meet with people. And, but everywhere that God's presence was, there needed to be a house. And that's why Jacob says, well, let's build an altar here. This is Beth El, the house of God, because there's something, there's something about this place right here that's, that's housing the presence of God that I can't see and I can understand, but it's here and this is amazing and I don't know what to do with it. And everywhere that they went, they would build a house for God, even though God would continually tell them that there's no house that can contain me. And in Matthew chapter 17, we even see this in the New Testament because the disciples go up onto the mountain with Jesus and they see the vision of Jesus with the other men of God. They're like, wow, this is amazing. Look, it's a hot spot. It's a place where God's space and man's space overlap. Let's build a house here and stay here forever, which is an allusion to, to heaven. It's going to be that kind of a place that we just want to, to take up shop. We want to take up residence. We just want to be in forever because it's not just about a, a religious thing. It's not just about an actual house or a temple or the beauty of what we have. It's the very presence of God come down from God's space into man's space. And it's surprising and that's the thing that, that Jesus is trying to, to get at when he speaks to the disciples. And he says, you're surprised that I told you I saw you? You got to understand that there's so much more here than just a word of knowledge that just getting a little message from God every now and then, there's an actual experience of the presence of God continually, not up above the, the, the sky, but here on earth. He wants to challenge their expectations. What is it that you're looking for, men of earth? What is it that you're seeking after just to be entertained? What is it that you're seeking after just to have a little experience? Or do you know that God wants to permanently be in this place? He's checking them. 
Because he can't have a bunch of guys that are blown away by all the little things that he does, and they don't keep focus on the, 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 the mission that God has. He wanted them to understand this is bigger than what they've begun to see. So Jesus quotes this story in Genesis chapter 28 about himself. And in Genesis chapter 28, it was a stairway that the angels of God were going up and they were coming down on. But if you notice the difference in John chapter 1, what are the angels going up and then coming down, ascending and descending on? On himself. It's Jesus. This is one of the most powerful theological claims. Judah Smith said it about the passage he was talking about in his video. I'm saying it about this one right now. That Jesus is making a unique claim about himself when he says that the space, the thing that connects heaven to earth is me. And that's why we can't get excited about the little things, the lesser things that I like to call them. Because there's something greater that we need to catch the vision of. I'm the connection, Jesus says. He's checking their expectations. They came from a place where God's presence was found in a house in a special location that not everyone could access. You had to be called. You had to be perfect. You had to be righteous. You had to be pure. You had to be holy. You had to be from the right line. And the, 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 the farther away you were from that lineage, the farther away that you stayed from the presence of God as the temple was, was built off into sections and only certain could enter the Holy of Holies and then only certain could enter this court and only the women into this court and only the Gentiles into this court. And the problem was is that God had always said from the beginning that my house shall be a house of prayer that shall be a blessing and benefit all nations and all people. Because God's presence wasn't meant for a house but this is what he was dealing with men who said well his presence is only found in certain places that only certain people could access and they were impressed when men had unique gifts to do supernatural things and sometimes I'm saddened because things have not really changed all that much we still only expect to find God in a location Sometimes we still only flock to the supernatural things that we see that people are doing on YouTube or on their websites or, or the words of knowledge or the things that they have, not understanding the calling that we have because Jesus is the connection between heaven and earth. It's not found behind a curtain anymore. It's not found on a stage or on a platform as good as these things are, and they offer us opportunities to meet with God. But what Jesus is trying to say that when you have me, you don't need all of that other stuff. You don't have to rely upon that guy and his anointing and his gifting or be, or be impressed by the things that he's doing. That there's a reality in it for you. People still go to hot spots. And they still search for hot spots and they still search for surprising connections with God. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your God expectation? Just like Jesus walked up on his disciples and he's checking their expectations. Where are yours at today? Because I can hear Jesus just laughing as he asks them that question. Are you really impressed? You need to get your expectations up. 
You excited that the worship is really good? You need to get your expectations up. Are you excited because that Hillsong conference seemed like the pinnacle of Christian expression? Not to bag on Hillsong, I love it. I'm a worship leader. I sing their songs all the time. But we need to get our expectations up. Are you excited today because your preacher is wearing an L.A. gear shirt? You need to get your expectations up. You're not just a churchgoer. You are the church. You're not just a, a person who experiences spiritual things. You are a spiritual experience. You're not just someone who sits in seats. God has taken his seat in you. Do you know that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? You're not just a person that's looking up to heaven. I'm trying to get you to understand this morning that you are the place where heaven and earth meet. This life is not lived because we're afraid that there's a God up there looking down on us. That's why I think that Israel never made it. Because their viewpoint was that that's where God was up there. And I'm living my life down here to make sure that he's happy so that we don't get any more rain that comes down and floods the earth. So that we don't have any disaster or destruction. We're just trying to maintain. And they just lived their lives and they built their lives upon all of these lesser things. Because that's where do you go whenever your promises, you don't feel like they've been fulfilled. And you're just trying to impress the God who's up there. You turn to the law. And when you turn to the law, you, you suck the life out of the expression that you're trying to live, and then you become impressed by all of the other things that are going on around you, and you chase after this one, and you chase after that one, not understanding the reality of who you are. Jesus didn't want them thinking just like everybody else. He didn't want them looking for a hot spot. He didn't want them to be surprised by spiritual gifts. He didn't want them to view their story by their circumstances. And so he steps on the scene and he begins to break open their sense of expectation and faith. By telling them, man, your faith may be weak. You may have doubts. You may feel like my promises are long gone. You may be frustrated at your prayer life. You may be frustrated that it just didn't seem to be turning out the way that it was supposed to. These were all men who had aspiring dreams when they were younger that didn't work out and they all had to take on other jobs and responsibilities and callings. said your expectations may be just a little bit off, but you need to know today that I'm the place where heaven and earth meet, and so are you, and so are you, and to do what I want to do in this world, you've got to have that understanding. Nathaniel, it's got to be more it's got to be more than just experiencing some spiritual things. Nathaniel, you've got to catch the vision that you are that place. That you are like Jacob, Nathaniel. 
that you came across something that is altogether different than what you've ever known, and you saw the vision. And God spoke to Jacob, and God is speaking to you now, Nathaniel. And there's two things that we all need to know from this passage of Scripture. That number one, that God won't stop fulfilling his promises. In Genesis chapter 28, in verse 15, after God restores the covenant of Abraham with Jacob, and this is the promise that I believe is for you today. He says, what's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. And if I told you today how true that statement has been, even in my own life, even in my greatest mistakes and failures... And I was so blessed by God this morning as we're standing there singing this song, if not for you, if not for you, if not for you, if not for you, Jesus, I have no idea where I would be. I wouldn't have the blessings that I have, but it's not even about the blessings It's about the fact that I never could on my best day know God or pursue God or see God or understand God or worship God or pray. And it's not because of anything that I've done, but because of his pursuit of me that any of those things exist. I would never see other people's lives changing around me being a part of a great ministry. I would be probably the one that needed to be in that seat being ministered to. And it's all because of God fulfilling his promises. And it doesn't matter where you sit today. The promises that God has given you through scripture and also in your life uniquely, he will fulfill them. He will not stop until they are completed. And it doesn't matter what detours you take and it doesn't matter what mistakes you make. It doesn't matter how, how lost you get. Just like the video that we watched at the very beginning, will you return? Are you viewing God with the expectation of the law coming down upon your head? Or do you understand that every time that we turn to him, Jesus turns around? Because he desires to fulfill his promises in us. But the second thing, and what I've been trying to communicate today, is that God made you to be a place where heaven and earth meets. And you might be thinking, well... I know that Jesus said that about himself, that he's the place, and maybe he's just talking about salvation, and this is the past, you know, brings in the scripture, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me, and yeah, that's true, but there's another story in scripture where Jesus says, it's better that I go, that the Holy Spirit may come and dwell in us, and there was a day in Acts chapter 2 that we call Pentecost, where the individuals were praying in an upper room and tongues of fire fell down upon them and they began to speak in other languages languages, and they spilled out and it was the day that the Holy Spirit came and was poured out upon man. And that day is the day that this promise came alive for each and every one of us. Because you may not understand it, but that very language, again with the design patterns of the fire falling down atop their heads, was temple language. 
in the book of Exodus, in the book of 1 Kings, in the book of Leviticus, that God's, his manifest glory was seen as fire come down from God's space into man's space. And so what we see here is God taking the glory that was always known in a location and he was pouring it out collectively in these little mini manifestations of his glory because he wanted to communicate that it's not about the location anymore, that every single one of you are the place where heaven and earth meets. Tongues of fire falling. And in the New Testament, that's why we're called the house or the temple or the body of Christ. You are more than you ever expected. You are more. And you've got to believe that today because God has so such great plans for you. God has such a great purpose for you. Those aren't just Christian expressions that we say to get people excited. It's the truth of the word of God that God has orchestrated all of his creation down to this very moment to create a people for himself that would individually be and collectively be the temple of God, the place where heaven and earth meets because he needs a space to come in and connect with a world that doesn't know him. We need to understand our identity today. God wants to check your God expectations today. You may have experienced disappointments and failures, hurts and pains. You may feel disconnected from the promises of God and organized your life around lesser things just like the disciples had. And like so many others, your spiritual lives are based off being impressed by the supernatural or waiting for God to show up or move in the faith. And you feel weak, you feel frustrated, you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel fearful, indifferent, but you are not meant to stay in that place because God says, and there's another slide. Oh, glory, hallelujah. He says, I am your God. I have great plans for you. I am with you wherever you go. I won't leave you, but I will fulfill my promises in you. You may be discouraged, but I have expectation and faith. You may have begun to see me with a question mark, but I see you with exclamation. You are called just to live in this world, to be dust and earth. You are called to be a place where heaven meets earth so I can bring life into this world. Come on! I believe that today. So what's stopping you? What is stopping you? Is it sin? Is it doubt? Is it, is it frustration? Is it bitterness? Is it shame? Is it regret? Is it tradition? Is it disappointment? It doesn't really matter what it is. If we all come to God today with the words of David that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Let me test me and know my anxious thoughts. You can stand here this morning, afternoon, whatever it is. And if actually the worship team would come and, and, and can you do holy ground? I don't want to impose upon, is that Okay. Because when I was thinking, I was like, man, this song is, is, is just perfect. There's three ways that I want you to respond to God this morning. And the first one is this. Do you know Jesus? Are you in this place today? And you may have heard about him, but maybe your response to him was a lot like Nathaniel's. Nah, I don't know. I don't know if that's for me. I'm not really sure that's true. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about this Jesus. Well, one interaction with the person of Jesus changed everything for Nathaniel. 
One word spoken into his life changed everything for him. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, would you be willing to come today and up to this place? Again, not that it's the place that matters, but it's that your step of faith coming to God saying, Jesus, change my expectation. I want to know you. I want to experience more than what I've been experienced than this deadness here on earth, this lack of life. I want to know you, Jesus. And if that's you, you can come down and respond to Jesus today and we'll pray with you. The second one, have you stepped into your full identity? Maybe you never really fully realized that your calling was so great and you've, 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 be, you've served God only with the understanding, well, that he's up there and someday he's going to come and make everything right and I'm just waiting to get there and I'm doing the best that I can and I'm trying to keep God happy. Because honestly, that's where so many of us land. We keep God out here, quite honestly, because we think that God does the same for us. That until we're right, until we're perfect, that we can't get past this space, that the holy of holies, that the curtain still exists. But Jesus tore the curtain. It's gone. And Jesus took the identity of the temple and he put it on his people collectively. And he said, I'm not interested in a building. I'm not interested in all of those other things. I'm interested in the people that I created in my image and restoring myself to them. And he will stop at nothing to make sure that that happens. But today, maybe your expectations are out, out of place. You've never really fully understood your identity. And maybe you've experienced the discontentment of seeing it in other people's lives, this life, and just thinking, well, that's for them. It's not, I think it's for me. Would you respond to Jesus today? Because he wants to help you understand your identity. And if it takes tongues of fire from heaven, it'll take tongues of fire from heaven. If it takes Jesus sort of metaphorically taking mud and, and spit and rubbing it in your eyes to open your eyes so that you can see, that's what it takes. And lastly, have you gotten distracted by lesser things? Have you lost the fire? You've latched on to worldly things because you feel like the promises of God are just too long in coming. Tired of waiting. So I just keep coming to this place because I know eventually, you know, God will show up and he'll do something in my heart. But what he says to you today is you are that place. And we live this life being the holy ground. Has nothing to do with what you've done but it has everything to do with what Jesus has done. You are the burning bush. You are the, the place where the stairway exists between God's space and man's space. You are the, the, the holy of holies where the presence of God dwells. You are the one on whom the tongue of fire sits upon, identifying you as the temple.
Jesus, open up our eyes and our hearts in this moment. God, I don't know what needs to be said, but it doesn't matter. It's about your word. It's about your truth. Lord, this place that we stand is holy ground. You meet with us here just because that's how good you are. God, you have great things and great plans and great purposes for your people. Lord, I pray that in this moment that we would catch on to that. Lord, I pray that in this moment we would realize how beautiful you are. Lord, that wherever we are at, that right now, you would draw us to you, God. And whether we need to know you, whether we need to get our eyes up and our vision up and our expectations up, that you would draw it out of us this morning, God. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.